0: This week on the podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing a friend of mine, Matt Shepard. We got together a couple weeks ago to talk about running and training and nutrition and injuries and doing hard things. We also spent a good time talking about his pacing efforts for Dave Proctor in Dave's Trans-Canadian world record. And Matt and I have known each other for about a year now, and we'll often get together to talk about... The best way to train for whatever upcoming race or how you might recover from whatever (laughs) injury either of us is suffering at the moment. And this conversation is just like that. It's a conversation between friends that will provide a ton of value to you. And I hope you get as much out of it as I did. And before I forget, Matt actually was generous enough to do this after driving for hours across Canada to get to his most recent job site. And The wind is definitely not the best in the background at certain spots, but please bear with it. It is a really good conversation, and it's worthwhile to bear with the mediocre audio quality to get the info in it. Anyway, thank you again, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will France, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. Right, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, we have Matt Shepard on a Canadian ultra runner who you, a lot of you probably know more than you know me, very honestly. And Matt and I are just going to chat about what he's doing, how how he got into running, fueling, training, all that stuff. So, Matt... Um, where are you right now? Sincere, I know you're kind of in the middle of middle of nowhere doing weird stuff. Where are you right now?
1: <laughs> um, I'm in Kimberley, BC, British Columbia, here in Canada. We're uh we're getting ready for a race called Black spur an ultra. Um, and so I'll come out here in advance and clean up all the trails and make sure they're all runnable. I know that there's a few sections here that have been hit pretty hard by the blowdown, so. Sure. A couple of days out we'll uh get them all cleaned up and marked
0: are you getting a bunch of weather up there right now
1: a bunch of hot weather holy smokes it's been <laughs> it's been like plus 30 or more every day which oh for you that's Americans warm, yeah that's yeah it's,
0: it's like 85 yeah it's not it's not great um yeah man I feel that how's the what are you doing that's taking you out there like what's your what's your job these days
1: yeah, so this year, I teamed up with a company called Sinister Sports, and they put on a few big races here in uh, in Canada, the Sinister 700-mile trail race. Um, let's see, they have the Canadian Death Race up in Grand Cache, yeah. which is uh, 125 kilometers, lots of elevation in that one, rugged trails. Sure. Um, and then th- this is their other big one, the uh, Black Spur Ultra, which is... 54 and 108 kilometer here at the it's like on an, an alpine ski resort on the trails there up and around that so it's going to be a, a lot of vert in this one
0: that sounds like that sounds hectic all right when is that race it's like the 13th of august right now how, how soon are you having to run that
1: um the 20th is this week this coming weekend okay. so not yeah it's yeah, so like a week out from right now
0: okay. okay soon so what do you have to do to get stuff ready for that. I think like, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's entailed. I've seen a bunch of trail work, but like, what do you, what goes into making these races possible?
1: Wow, man. It's like, we have a whole team, but my, cool. my job, I work operations, So I'm, I will get all of the equipment ready. Um, make sure all the things I'm a kind of a mechanic, a little handyman. So I, I take care of all the equipment and then I drive out to the race course in advance of the race and do the trail clearing and the marking. So I will hike all the trails, um, and, and, you know, carry a chainsaw or a pair of well, generally a chainsaw and a pair of those like manual loppers. Um, with, I can get most things with that. Sometimes I'll also carry a brush saw, like a, basically like a weed eater, but like with a big saw blade Mm -hmm. on the end of it, if it's like a lot of little fingers that are growing up. So, um, I'll do that and then I'll go and mark the course like ribbon by ribbon all the way across. And then once the race happens, I'll, I'll do the logistics side of things, making sure all the aid stations stay fully stocked. And if, you know, something happens on course, we'll, you know, get the resources to make sure everybody can get out safe. Uh, yeah. And then afterwards, I'll do all the cleanup, pull down all the ribbons, pick up any gels or whatever that people drop on the trail. And sure. then off to the next one.
0: That's nuts, dude. So you're there a week in advance, like you, you're taking a second just after driving for a large chunk. Like, are you going to spend the entire day of this coming week getting that ready?
1: Yeah, it'll be. I know I have at least two full days of trail work, uh, like that one section. I'll be there all day long just doing that leg. Um, and then, so I'll be the next couple of days for sure, um, just doing trail maintenance. And then I'll follow through Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with the flagging. Um, we don't like to flag too far in advance because sometimes people can yank the ribbons down and that can Fact. really be, yeah, <laughs> it can cause a lot of uh, chaos on the course. So do try to do it as close to the race as possible, especially in areas and trails that are like heavily trafficked. We'll wait until like the day prior um, that way, just cause you know, you never want to risk having missing ribbons and then somebody gets lost. That's terrible.
0: we had that happen like two years in a row. And the race that kind of got me into knowing the sport existed. Somebody who's not great took down a couple ribbons and it was oh. not stellar. Yeah. It's awful, man. People ended up like going the wrong way for ages and it's not great.
1: <laughs> I I had the opposite happen where I was leading a race and I'm I'm colorblind, so I have a hard time like distinguishing yeah, that... colors on the ribbons. And as I'm running, um, I'm you know I have nobody to follow, so I'm going and I'm following ribbons. Unfortunately, I, I they were I think they were like orange ribbons, and I started following green ribbons, not knowing the difference. And Dude. so they t- it took me, it, somebody had forgotten to take down the ribbons from their race, and this oh. race crossed over, and so I saw those ribbons, took a turn, and I was like, yeah, two miles off course and was like I don't think I'm supposed to cross this river right now <laughs> and so I yeah I had to navigate my way back but it was yeah take down your ribbons when you're done
0: <laughs> yeah man I didn't actually know you were colorblind I feel like that's the thing we might that feels like an easy fix I feel like we should just use colors that more like pretty much everybody could see right like that's actually makes that's kind of makes a bunch of sense interesting
1: yeah I mean it's hard because like color blindness is so fickle. Some people sure. can see like for me, pink, um, pink and white are really great colors, uh, but that's difficult for other people with color blindness. So sure. I don't know, but definitely not orange. Orange <laughs> is the worst. It's my <laughs> least favorite. It's yeah. so hard to see. It's green. I mean, it's per- It blends in perfectly with grass. Fascinating.
0: All right. Good to know. Um, <laughs> so, how did you get into you know I think this, and everybody knows I think this. Ultra running is a crazy sport. How'd you get into
1: it? <clears throat> oh man, like, well, okay. So originally I was overweight as a kid. I didn't do much as far as sports. I did play football in high school. Um, is that and... like Canadian football or n- what, no? What, what I was things? living yeah. in, I was living in the states back wow. then. Cool. Um, and so yeah, I. I I was overweight. I joined the forces and fell in love with running in basic training, kind of just like really enjoyed it. Um, Not competitive running, just more so for myself. Sure. And then after I got out of the forces, I was living in Alaska and I was doing uh, just these big mountain adventures. Uh, Again, just like not as as part of a team or anything, just out having fun in the mountains. And I was going quite a long ways, you know, marathon a day, or more. And I remember uh, reading about Scott Jurek's uh, 24 hour American record in 2010. And I, that was my, my introduction where my, my mind just went, what? Like (laughs) people can run for 24 hours. I I started to think like, if I didn't sleep, like how far could I go if I tried? And so like three months (laughs) after hearing about it, I organized, I was living on an island in Alaska. And so I organized my own 24 hour race on a, like a 1.75 mile course uh, around town. And I, and I started that. So the fire department was my aid station. And I just went and went and I, I did uh, 12 hours and like 53 or so miles. And I was like, I was, I couldn't keep my body temperature up. I probably hadn't eaten more than a thousand calories. I was struggling hard, so I pulled the pin, but that was my, like, welcome to ultra running uh, effort, so, yeah, it's just been, from there, I didn't do many uh, for, like, the next seven years, I don't think I ran another ultra, I just, you know, continued to run for myself, and, yeah, and then I turned 30 in 2017, and I was like, I want to try this death race, 125 kilometers, Uh, it wasn't too far from where I was living at the time, so, yeah, I went out and tried that, and it's just kind of been a, a passion from then on.
0: That's awesome, man. So, like, how how many of you, do you know how many you've done since then?
1: Um, as far as organized events, jeez, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, a couple dozen. Sweet. And it, like, it's an un- unorganized, just, like, <clears throat> going 50 miles or more on my own, like, i would get wager probably a hundred <laughs> i don't know quite a few i love just i i like just getting out on my own feet and going out and exploring and putting on a big day it's just like so much fun like that's what i live for
0: that's awesome man i mean how so it's 2017 so how has it been going lately like what is what have been the past It seems like you enjoy, I don't know, a wide variety. I don't know if many people who like run a hundred or run their like own self-supported stuff and then also like do the um, backyard format. Like what have you been digging a lot lately?
1: Yeah, I've really been enjoying um, a lot of trails. Like generally I'm kind of like, I I perform really well in like long flat stuff. That's kind of like my jam. Sure. But as far as like, enjoyment i i mean i do enjoy those i enjoy being able to like test those limits to see how far you can go in the easiest possible circumstance Mm -hmm. um you know flat you get an aid station every like mile or two it's you know when when you're on a loop course in a timed event it's so like all the logistics are taken away it's just all straightforward just run and see how far you can go which is fun Sure. It's, you know, it's a really interesting challenge, but, um, I, you know, my, my ultimate dream is the Barkley marathons. Like I want to complete, I don't even just want to try it once. I just want to do it all the way one shot. Um, so, I mean, I'm definitely not <laughs> ready for that. I'm still oh, working man. towards it, but I want I want to go into it knowing I'm, I'm going to crush. So I've really been <laughs> enjoying <laughs> spending more time out on the trails and getting it some elevation um, you know it's like it's where I fell in love with running was the trails sure. uh, it, and, and it was only until mm-hmm. like I think in 2019 I found out you know kind of like oh I have a knack for this really really long flat st- easy stuff um, so I so I do I do a lot of that just because you know like it's it feels good to, to be successful so you want to do the things that you're you're yeah. successful at of course but as as well I'm I'm expanding into these new areas where I maybe am not not quite as uh, efficient or not quite as strong and just really work work on those areas so that I can be just super well rounded, you know, all across that like I just like all the different things that my body can do and just trying to test all those limits.
0: Love that. I mean, I when you mentioned loop course, I have to think about across the years, right? Cause that's how you and I met, you were coming back from an injury that you should expound upon and get, we got talking about basically recovery food to get you ready for this big race. So like, how did, what was the injury? how did it happen? And then like, what led into that?
1: <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's, yeah, let's rewind. That was, um, 2021. Yeah. It was just about a year. year ago. It feels like, yeah, man, exactly. that feels like it was so long ago. Right. Though? Um, I was, I was at Biggs World Championships in Tennessee. And that's a backyard format, like the penultimate one for the year. Yeah, and it's
0: like four, 4.1 loop, right? Like, that's what we're... 4.1 at.
1: mile loop. Uh, and then it's, it's like a trail loop and then also a, like a road loop for the mm-hmm. night course. Right, Really, really great event. Um, so I was out there and... I had I had got just gotten onto the trail maybe a couple hours prior, and I was really just struggling with reading the ground. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was like vision fatigue or you know I, I I was definitely feeling tired. I was I was it was kicking my bum, and sure. uh, yeah, I, so I I tripped, I caught a root or something, and and I fell and I cracked my pelvis. Yep. So I was like, uh, coming back. That was like mid October, and mm. I was sorry i yeah. just got blasted with dust um
0: all <laughs> right man everybody got to listen to me grimacing while you're doing that yeah for sure okay uh, <laughs> Okay. yeah so oh, i i had
1: across the years was my my goal race i really wanted to uh I, i've had this dream of chasing the canadian six-day record which is 144 hours timed event on a loop course Yep. and arizona really great course i like to go there each year it's just they call it across the years because it starts in December and it ends in January. Just kind of a, just a fun thing to say, like, I finished the year and I started the year running. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I've i been going out there trying to chase this six-day record. And after this injury, I thought, oh, my gosh, I've only got 10 weeks to get ready for this effort. You know, uh, let's see, I think it's 540 miles is sounds in like that. six days.
0: That sounds right. That's what's in my brain. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I was like, okay, how am I going to like, okay, what do I need to do to get ready for this next one? And so that's, that's when I reached out to you. Um, you know, just kind of looking for some advice on like, how, what foods can I give my body to help me accelerate the recovery process and how, like, how can I do this in the most minimal time? And uh, yeah, I think I saw all your stuff you were posting on Facebook and that's what I was like, that's this right. guy. Seems sounds like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, I just really like you know the way you brought the information. So thanks. Uh, yeah, we did. I did like what, like maybe five weeks of recovery following Bigs, and then I I was once I was cleared, I was out there in the pool and just trying to do as many walks as I could to get back into it. And yeah, yeah, by like December twenty, I think December twentieth or so uh i you know 8 days out from my race i went out for a, a run and set a 10k pr yeah i remember that which i don't ever run 10k so it's not super impressive but it's just like i was out there just having a good time felt good and uh yeah i was just dropping some fast ones so i was like this is really positive yeah going into going into the 6 day race but unfortunately it didn't hold up i did like 250 miles in the first 3 days and it was it was a train wreck trying to watch me. It was my crew was like, You gotta pull the pin, man. This is <laughs> gnarly. I was just out there limping my way through, and I thought, There's no way I'm gonna do this for another three days and just be wrecked for another month.
0: No, nah, which I was a wasn't. Smart choice, too. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you knew <laughs> you went in knowing it was a ball, like aggressively ballsy goal like I don't even know what the adjective to describe that for would be like let's let's break a pelvis and try to like set a record in two months like that's not a thing that most people would even think of doing so yeah man I think it was still a it was a valiantly fought effort and I appreciated the you know sense to pull it considering
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I still ended up taking another five weeks off after that yeah. Because there was still just so much pain, um, yeah. Which was a good call because by yep. by the end of March, I ran a fifty miler, mm-hmm. and like remember, you remember that, I imagine absolutely. We did you a styled the nice, one. yeah, easy, uh, you know, just like recovery, just you know, easy run in preparation for the BC backyard. Mm-hmm. And man, that went so smooth, like really, really <laughs> clean. If good run, I I enjoyed that. Hey, you crushed
0: that one. That was great.
1: Yeah, I, I beat my my goal time by I think by an hour and change. Yes, you did.
0: It was yeah. fire.
1: <laughs> that was, yeah, super. Was one of those races where everything just kind of clicks and you're like, oh man, this is what a perfect day for it.
0: For sure, man. No, that was great. It was fun like seeing that, seeing that result and where you're going. So I know recently something that a good chunk of people might know about and know you for, because you're with him for so long was Dave Proctor's recent. I I need you to correct me on this effort, uh, trans Canadian effort. So like, let's elaborate on what that was, how you got involved, um, everything about that. Cause I was, I followed that pretty closely for, from Dave's Facebook and it was savage. And then I didn't, I didn't know you were doing it. Cause you and I had like, we're both too busy. And then suddenly it's like, that chef's going to be going to be supporting me for the next like two weeks. I was like, Fuck yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. Tell me all about that.
1: Yeah. Oh man. I met Dave like a few years back and I've just really admired, like I knew mm-hmm. when I met Dave, I was like, this is the guy I want to like model my running career after because like, he really just is so dialed and, and being able to run with him on that, uh, on his trans Canadian speed record was like phenomenal. Like what a dream come true. When he asked me, I was like hundred percent, I don't care what I'm doing. I will be there. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yes, I'm I, like, what a, what an opportunity for a lifetime. And I learned like so much, like it really has, has had a huge impact on how I'm approaching my next training block, Um, and, you know, just kind of like how I'm going to take on my next challenge and, and work my way through it because like the guy has such an incredible, um, mastery and communication with his body. Like he really knows, uh, you know, what he's feeling and how to work his way through it. And, And I think that's like, that's so tremendous and what a, what a great space to be in. So yeah, I, I crewed him for nine days, uh, beginning in Thunder Bay or just was just east of Thunder Bay, Ontario and finishing just west of Brandon, Manitoba, which is, um, if you don't know Canada, quite a long ways, (laughs) Um, but I was crew pacing him. So I was like, I was the only guy (laughs) with him. I was driving the vehicle. So I would uh, drop him off at wherever he finished the day prior (laughs) drive about 20 kilometers ahead, get all his stuff ready uh, so, so that when he arrives in the vehicle, he's, he can just grab and go. And then I would turn and run backwards. Well, not l- literally backwards. I would run east while he's running west. I would run towards him and meet him, you know, almost halfway because I had the fresher legs. He had run nearly 4,000 kilometers by the time I met up with him. So I would run <laughs> towards him and then we'd meet up, we'd run together back to the vehicle and then I would give him his supplies, get him whatever he needs and drive to the next point. Uh, in addition to like getting groceries and like organizing supper and hotels and uh, oh, getting getting all the things together so that, you know, he could be successful on his, on his route. But it, I mean, it was so easy. He, we had uh, his girlfriend, Lana was. On top of everything, she did most of like the the evening food orders and organizing the hotel. So it was like mostly I just had to make sure he he got up, got started, and you know if anything was wrong, I was there to kind of be the the fixer of things. <laughs> but Six yeah, things it, 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 heard in my
0: life, like it's just insane to <laughs> me, dude. It, his right. What is it? Sixty eight days and change that he made it across 67
1: 67- Sixty-seven days, ten hours, and some change. Yeah, Smitty, and so dude. he was averaging um, over hundred and five kilometers a day, up to hundred and eight near the end. So he like he started yeah. a little lower, and uh, you know, like about hundred and five, and then worked his way up to about hundred and eight. Which it seems small, three kilometers, only two miles difference, but that is a big when you're running that many and you're riding sure. that razor's edge. Every every ten minutes that you take away. Mm-hmm. Um, from your recovery routine and then of your sleep is you know ha- is hugely impactful. So sure. that was that was really neat. Like just watching mm. his strategy of like he the dude is a machine. Like in the literal sense that like everything is exactly the same every day. Um, he'll have exactly the same breakfast. Uh, he'll take exactly the same thing on his first loop. It's you know in the evening. It's almost exactly the same thing. His routine, shower, you know, like body care, sleep at eight o'clock every night. Um, it was just really impressive to watch how robotic it really was.
0: That's nuts, man. Like I, so I read the breakdown of the Koros data and it was like, it was so consistent. It was like for Americans, I they had it in miles. So it was like 63 to 68 miles every day for the span of like over two months, almost completely like, they said his cadence was basically exactly perfect until the end when they it looked like he got a broken foot. Like it just like it was perfect every day for two and a half months or just two months and change. Like I, I've never been that consistent with anything in my life. It's so cool.
1: <laughs> you know, I think he actually broke his foot in uh, Ontario or maybe even Quebec. It, it was a while because when even when I picked him up, he was really? saying that his foot had been bothering him oh, shit. Um, yeah. And I was you know trying to he showed me some really neat um, like manipulation techniques for the foot and ankle. and so I would do those in the evening or in the morning to try to help him out. and um, yeah, he was he was definitely saying that it, it had been bothering him then. and so I imagine either if it wasn't already broken, it probably broke shortly after that. That's just, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean inc- incredible how someone could just push through that.
0: It's insane. Like it's I mean, not just a push through. I mean, granted you have a goal. Like I've never recommend that to anybody until that's like your, the a goal of your current section of your life. Right. Then I'm mean, sure whatever <laughs> do, you do, you, I get that. Uh, what, it says, what does that routine look like? If you're, you're saying that that was so robotic and so structured and all that recovery, like how does someone do that for two months and change? What does that look like?
1: You know, I think so. We talked a lot about um, because he reads a lot of books about, you know, from ultra runner perspective or also just about, um, you know, some of those different like advice books. And it it was funny because he'd actually recently read one that I was currently reading at the time uh, called Full Catastrophe Living. And it talks about non-striving and not looking towards the end of the day and not looking towards the end of the run or, uh, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. It's all about just try to be right here right now. So every day, if you're not comparing today to yesterday or tomorrow, then it doesn't matter if you're having oatmeal for breakfast for the 60th time in a row. today is a new day and just like be right here like it's still good oatmeal if it was good yesterday it's good today and you know like it's only by the comparison that you you start to go like oh i'm so sick of this so he really lived in the moment and you know look took every single day every single step um you know right there as it was and that i think was what allowed him to just be okay with doing the same thing every day because If, you know, if you're not comparing it to the day prior, it's all new.
0: Yeah. Is there like, I assume there's a piece you find to the rhythm too. Like, what did you find in the nine days out there that you were with
1: Dave? Yeah. You know, and I, I really, so my goal was to just try to like mimic everything that he was doing. Like I wanted to see like, okay, this guy has done something that I dream of doing one day myself, maybe not running across Canada, but like to be able to go consistently like that for such a large volume for such a long time, like that is a skill that I've been trying to perfect for some time. So I wanted to, you know, okay, let me do exactly what he's doing as much as I can and see, you know, like what is it, how does it affect me and, and what is, what does it take for me to get to that level? And so, yeah, like just being able to do those things in, in the same order, you know, like get up. I had the same exact breakfast that he's having and then he would do he liked to break it up 20 kilometers, 20 kilometers, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 all the way to the end. Um, and then in the last the last uh, leg we would do, I would I would hustle a protein shake out to him you know, so he drink this protein shake and do some walking breaks to kind of sure. cool himself down before he gets in the car and shuts it down for the day. Um, Really smart. Yeah. So like following those and then just the things that he ate, he he said something that really, um, that I really kind of took to heart. And it was because like, I've been trying to work on my nutrition and figure out like, what can I put in my body that works well for me? And you and I've had, you know, many conversations at length about that. And one thing he said that really kind of like, I wanted to bite down on was once the furnace is burning hot enough, it doesn't matter what you put in there. And I thought like, that's like, that must be true because I know when I'm running multiple days on end and even, you know, while I was running with him, I was putting in an average of, I think like 75 kilometers a day. And it, I, I was just eating whatever I could get my hands on. Sure. He loves bakery items and um, all these different things. So I was like just trying to get as many calories in and, and I felt terrific, honestly. And I, yeah. I don't know how much of that, you know, comes, you know, psychosomatic you say this is good for me and then you, you consume it. You, you, it will be good for you sure. or, um, or if maybe I just was tolerating it. I don't know. It it went really smooth for me. Um, I couldn't believe, you know, how generally if I'm doing an effort of that length and that volume nine days at 75 kilometers a day average is quite a ways to go. And mm-hmm generally i would have a crew for myself and and at this point i was you know taking care of somebody else so well i mean it really wasn't that difficult because he was so robotic that it was easy to plan ahead you know i know he's going to want for an afternoon snack i know what he's going to need you know a bathroom break i know what to make him for in fact i made his breakfast the night prior just because it was that easy Mm -hmm. so yeah it it was really interesting
0: Yeah, that makes sense, man. I mean, both of you are so fit that honestly it's, I mean, it's not like you're crushing zone five work out there. Right. So it really is like, once you have that level of fitness, you really can fuel it with most anything, right? (laughs) Like, it's not like, yeah, once you're there and you're, you're like going kind of that pace and just at that cruise speed, like at that point, it really does just become calories. And like, if we look at, um, I can never remember his name. His name's James, the guy, the Iron Cowboy. Like he crushed 10,000 calories, mm. eight to 10,000 calories a day. And it was nothing but, like, it was like, I think eight big, eight egg McMuffins for a large chunk of that. And wow. You know, when you're, when you're that fit and you're like going at a pace that below your like red line, it's like for him, it, he can do an Iron Man like sub 10, I think, but he was pushing him like 14 to 16 hours. So, by no means his fastest pace you just need food just fuel it so yeah man that makes a ton of sense
1: yeah it it was definitely enjoyable to not have to be like you know calorie restricted or trying to yeah, like find the right foods just whatever goes in goes in and, and it went really smooth i never had any sort of stomach upsets or um any trouble getting calories down. It, it, it is such such an easy pace. I mean, I think we we're averaging like a six fifteen um kilometer.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cruzy for you. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, super cruzy.
0: Oh yeah, man. It's legit. Um so I feel like on an effort like that, and I know because I saw some of his posts, but I'd kind of be curious what if you two talked about it, the mental game has to be big. And you like you also seem to enjoy these like backyard loops, right. That have to get a little monotonous. Like how do you, what have you found? and What have you learned that helps you play into that like mental aspect of your game, whether it be Dave choosing to go out on the next day when he's already done so many or like tr- deciding to go out on that next four mile loop that you've done a hundred times already. Like, where are you, what helps play into that?
1: Man, it's so much. And that's like, that's like the biggest trick of the whole thing is, and and, and really what I find is like, you have to be able to find joy in it. Like you have to be into it because once you're just out there grinding it, like each loop gets progressively longer. If you're not, if you're not in it anymore, you know, mentally when you're just like, I don't want to do this. When you get to that point, every loop is so much harder. I mean, and if you could do it. You can grind through it because eventually you yeah. might start enjoying it again. But like if you you need to find that joy and like search for why, why is it that you're out there today? You know, like, and what is it that you love about this? So when you get fatigued, excuse me, um, like pain isn't real, right? We, we know that pain, it, it's, I mean, everything that you experience in, in the world, comes to you through sensory input. Either you smell it, you taste it, you see it, you hear it, you feel it. Um, and if you remove one of those, particularly your vision, like all of your other senses are going to be heightened, right? You can you because you are. That's how you're receiving your information. We get a lot of it through our eyes, so that takes up uh, a lot of our attention. But you can shift that focus anywhere. And so we know that pain is just i mean in the literal sense it's just like an electrical impulse that goes from say from your knee to your brain and your knee is saying um this isn't normal this isn't right or this is uncomfortable uh but but honestly like all that is is just a little electrical impulse that says this is bad but as as far as that goes you know it's it's not it's nothing that should stop you right? It's not physical. It's not like a physical barrier, like this brick wall right here. Like I can't pass through this brick wall, right? Mm. But I, I can continue to run alongside of it. So it, when you're dealing with pain, n- number one, like having a good relationship with your body, like understanding when pain is something bad, like, okay, this is like, I'm missing half my leg. That's, that's the pain that you should be listening to.
0: <laughs> sure. But when
1: you're, when you're running and you know you you just get that little pain in your knee and you're like this doesn't this is sending me a signal. Well, number one, um, b- becoming more accustomed with that pain, y- you will be able to tolerate a lot more. When it's brand new or if you don't run, like if you don't run ever and then you go out and run one mile as hard as you can, you're gonna be in pain. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're gonna be in yeah, pain like somebody cut your leg off. That's yeah. a whole different level of pain. You just aren't accustomed to that level of pain. Yeah, you may be in more pain than somebody who doesn't do that, but you know, like it's not, it's nothing different than what everybody else is going to experience. You're just less accustomed to it. So your body's like, warning, warning. It's sending out all these warnings and saying, like, this is not what we do. So if you do it more often and you practice, you become accustomed with those pains. So, like, not using, ibuprofen or any sort of like um, pain dulling devices, just being with it and understanding that like this is okay, like I can tolerate this and and also making the adjustments so that hopefully it doesn't happen. Um, you know, if you're if your muscles are tight and they're causing you to kind of like maybe pull your knee out of alignment, then like make those adjustments so that you, you don't have to do that anymore. Or, you know, adjusting your gait if you need to, if you're like a really uh, open stride heel striker and you start to feel like a lot of pain in your heel. Well, you know, maybe adjust your stride a little shorter, get more up on your toes and see how that, um, you know, how that affects you. And if you just spend more time practicing and being in all those spaces and understanding that you can tolerate a little bit of pain, it's not going to kill you, um, you'll get better at it. And you'll be able to tolerate more. Uh, so, and you'll be just as you get better, more training, more tolerance, um, and, and then it won't be such a big effect on you when you're fatigued and you're feeling that pain. You can go like, okay, I'm familiar with this. I know I can handle this level of pain. I've done it before, and we're gonna just you know adapt and overcome.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that makes a ton of sense, right? Like, it's all just data. Like, pain is data. And sometimes it's data that your pelvis is broken, right? And then sometimes
1: it's data that, like, maybe you need to shorten your stride. And Yeah, you know, (laughs) I fell maybe a mile into the four-mile course, and I still finished the loop with time to turn around and continue. But I, there's no way. That that was a a smart call to quit. Probably not the smartest call to continue. But, like, just to say, you know, like, you can tolerate a a level of pain that you you're not really prepared to
0: yeah absolutely man and I feel like that's kind of again you're just kind of collecting that and figuring out where it goes they've shown that it's not like professional athletes have a higher pain threshold they have a higher pain tolerance and I think the only way we get there is actually figuring out where just having that experience and knowing what's, what's bad data or not. I've hurt myself so many times,
1: like right (laughs) now,
0: right now I know like what I can push through and what I can't like my left ankles, a little tweaky right now. I destroyed it in college. It doesn't feel like that. (laughs) So like, we kind of, we have that spectrum uh, based on past experience as to what, what you can actually go through and what's smart and what will take you some like not the right amount of recovery time and all that. It makes a ton of sense.
1: Yeah. Um David Goggins, if you've heard of him, he has what they call sure. the cookie jar. And I, I just love that. Like you can reference all of the hard stuff that you've done in the past and say like, okay, I made it through this and I remember how difficult that was. And this mm-hmm. is not that difficult. So as long yeah. as I don't get to that point, then I'm doing okay. And And even if I do get to that point, I came out the other side and I'm just fine. And it was a great lesson. So even if you do get to there, you're going to be okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's all just building experiences, right? And we can probably, and we can also use that data from others to figure out what's appropriate and what's not like Goggins's first hundred is dumb. (laughs) Don't run yourself to Rabdo and break your feet and then duct tape them. Right. Like probably not great. But also, like we can we can know that experience to like learn that from others. Like it's all just collecting and figuring that out, so we can figure it out in the moment.
1: But I mean, there's a perfect example of how like your relationship with pain. Like he has definitely spent a great deal of his life putting himself into these big uh, pain caves, if you will, and you know, and as a result, he can tolerate breaking his feet taping them together and continuing like he, that is just his ability to tolerate a significant amount of pain and understand that like okay I'm receiving these signals and I'm acknowledging them but I don't have to let them consume me
0: he's also willing to take the like destructive time off afterwards that that does to you right so like yeah it's just like having the trade-off and figuring out what you're what you're willing to deal with but yeah it's all comes from experience and mm-hmm. right? like kind of figuring that out it makes sense we're looking at your training. Like, you and I have spent so many hours talking about training for this. Like, how, what does your training tend to look like for whatever you might be doing? How has that adapted over the years? Like, what does is, what is all yeah. that look like for you?
1: So, I mean, I used to train just by volume. Like, okay, get the, get the runs in, make them long, make them work for me. And then I, I teamed up with Personal Peak a few years back. And I started training by heart rate and time, which was like really incredible. I I really took it seriously. And I was making sure that I was always being um, consistent and training everything right to a T, following the programs. And I performed really well. It really made a big difference uh, using making that change over to heart rate based and time based uh, training. I I enjoy it because you know, it doesn't matter how fast I run or if I run as, as fast today as I did yesterday, or if I, you know, run as far, it doesn't matter is what matters is that I spent the amount of time in a cer- certain effort level. And that's all that my heart really cares about. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't care how far I go, how many steps I take. Absolutely. So like that shift was huge in, in my progression and Definitely. I utilize that still in my training, but my training has adapted quite a bit. Um, and perhaps it's, it's that I've shifted away from like a winning focus. I always wanted to like, I want to go into this race and I want to win. And so I had these, you know, big audacious goals and you know, I, I I had fun. I definitely, I like competition. I like going in and trying to see how, how well I can do, but it really, I was always followed, you know, if I wasn't successful by this kind of like feeling of defeat, you know, like, Oh darn, it. you know, where did I make the mistake and how am I going to do this better? Like, so I would always question myself in training. Am I doing enough Am I doing the right thing? You know, uh, and it, you know, I don't, don't want to say it was toxic, but it definitely didn't give me as much pleasure from all of my running because my running was focused. And I, I remember specific days sure. going like, you know like oh my gosh I just I have this huge training run on the on the docket usually the long runs I don't mind it's the hard runs that I would be like I'd look at and go like oh I don't even want to do this it's so hard you know (laughs) I I would dread them and they would give me anxiety um so yeah so I kind of like shifted my focus more to like just finding the joy in the run and you know because because of the things that I do like if i was marathon training i think performance at that point like you need to be so spot on because there's so little room for error it's uh, fucking nuts
0: like i trained yeah. a couple marathoners and it's just like the <laughs> the precision is
1: nuts. yeah you're pushing <laughs> that razor's edge the
0: whole time uh, especially you you know, like, like right on that cusp of like the next thing you're trying to hit, like one of the guys I'm kind of trying to train right now is like trying to drop five minutes off so he can get his BQ. And it's like, when you're trying to trim that, it's like, mm, it's so tight. Every
1: every second at that point is valuable. Trying to get
0: hydration so perfect that he like just stays hydrated enough, but not pee. (laughs) Like (laughs) Jesus, dude. Yeah. It's so anal. And I, I mean, I love it. I'm because like, that's me, but still like, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. Oh,
1: definitely. But the things that I enjoy are not um they're not quite as precise, you know, like six yeah. days. You've got time to walk. Oh for you've sure. You've got time to chat and have a snack and you know, so there's there's so much more time in the day available when you're running Agreed. when you're taking up the whole twenty four hours. Yeah. So and like I, for the I, stuff I do
0: myself, I could not agree more with you. Absolutely. What I enjoy it so much more.
1: <laughs> right? Uh, so yeah, so I, I've tried to like, my, my main focus is just making sure that I am giving myself enough stimulus every day. Um, and so actually lately, because of the volume of work I've been doing, uh, with Sinister Sports this summer, um, I've hardly done any running. I mean, I do go out. I I usually, when I'm running, I'm going to be doing some road running or, um, some like I'll find uh, lately I've been doing a lot of like speed mountain climbing, you know, like just yep. finding a hill and just like powering up it as quick as I can. And then jogging down. Um, and that, that was, I, I was meant to go out to Barkley fall classic in September, but just really feel like I'm swimming upstream lately. So oh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm probably going to bail on that one and just kind of put my, all my eggs in the uh, I've got big dogs, backyard, national, Coming up, I'm, I made Team Canada this year, so I will uh, I'll run with them in Kelowna, well nearby Kelowna in Summerland, sure. um, in October. So I'm just going to put all my focus there. But yeah, uh, as far as training goes, I'm just trying to, you know, get as much volume as I I feel. You know, like like I said, that that mind body connection, that you know how how you communicate with yourself is huge. And as long as I'm getting out there and I'm I'm getting in that good uh volume and you know making sure that i'm enjoying it i i never have that moment of where i'm like this is terrible like i don't want to do this anymore and i'm just kind of trying trying to stay in that like this is hard but i love it and and i can get a lot more done
0: it's really good if you're looking at like bigs like what does anything change between now and then for you as far as training, like you clearly have the base of fitness to do it, right? But like what is what does that look like between now and what is that, two months that happens between now and bigs for you?
1: Oh man, I've got so much on the docket. I once I'm done with this race, I'm gonna take two weeks and travel up north to Valley View. I I'll I have some properties up there. I'm gonna go do some maintenance on. Um, so I'll I'll use that time. I really like valley view as a training ground because it's so flat and i've got some really nice rural roads to run on awesome. and also a real a really fantastic fitness facility there so oh yeah the first two weeks of september i'm going to be in valley view uh really probably just laying down a huge base of volume because uh it, it'll be yeah mid mid october so I'll do that, and then I'll return here and and return to kind of some easier stuff like as far as speed goes. I'll be doing a lot more hiking um, as we get ready for our final race of the season, Castle Mountain. Um, and that's, that's, again, it's on, a, on a, a ski hill here in southern Alberta. Well, I'm in BC now, but over in southern Alberta. So I'll go down and I'll do that, and I'll probably spend some time uh, doing a lot of hiking and then a lot of road running in advance, uh, of that, which will bring us to basically the end of o- the end of September. And I'll have the first two weeks of October to just kind of like dial it down. And I'm going to, I'm going to really try to taper a lot more for this one than I have. Generally, I, I tend to push it out to like 10 days out, um, before a race, I'll t- start my taper just cause like, I don't know why I feel, I feel like I don't need that much of a taper, but I'm really going to try a a bigger taper for this one so that I can be like as fresh as possible. Um, just kind of knowing what I, I found out when I ran with Dave, like I was not doing anything. I, I was purely, uh, doing hiking and, uh, work. I was building things constantly. I was just so flooded with work tasks that I wasn't doing much in the way of like, running i mean maybe my average was like 50 or 60 kilometers a week and then i immediately went to like 75 kilometers a day um and and then immediately after i didn't take any i took one day off to travel home and then i was hiking i was put in like a 90 kilometer week hiking Uh um while carrying a chainsaw while i was clearing trails for (laughs) seven so it it really I, I went into it feeling really fresh yeah. and I came out feeling okay well enough that I could continue continue to go and so I think I'm gonna just try to like you know reapply that just go into it feeling as fresh as possible and then just because I guess I want to perform really well my my score that, I, that earned me a spot on the team will um, be removed at the end of this. Uh, year and it'll start the next cycle for the worlds, which will take place next year. So I'll have to earn myself that this won't be a qualifier for the world championships. And, and even if it was, I don't know if it'll be good enough. There, sure. there are so many phenomenal athletes coming out. So I need to put up a pretty good score, um, to get to, to bigs world championships next year, which is, it's kind of like my, my annual goal is to make it onto the bigs, uh, Team, whether it's going to be the national team or the world team, that's kind of like my my annual goal is make it there because I, I just really enjoy the back backyard format. That's awesome, dude. Um,
0: so if you're looking at a taper and going bigger than ten, are you going for like standard two week or are you thinking even longer? Um, probably
1: two week. I don't know if yeah. I can go long. Jeez, <laughs> the wind keeps kicking this dust up in my eyes. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I could tolerate longer than two weeks in a taper, and I mean, if I did, it would probably not look like a taper to most people.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I'm still putting up like 80 or 90 k. I mean, haven't seen your training, right? Like, I I think two makes sense, (laughs) very clearly. Like, two makes sense.
1: Yeah, Yeah. two weeks, and that'll be a good. It'll be a good test, you know. Like, I'll I like to keep some notes on, you know, when I'm (laughs) when I'm into training. I'll keep notes on, you know, what, what I'm doing and what feels good and, you know, what's going wrong and, you know, where I think I can improve and then we'll see when it comes to race day, how, how I perform and what, what, you know, come of it. So I'm excited to see because definitely in the run up to BC backyard, I was doing a a significant amount of volume. Uh, I was, you know, I was feeling pretty good. I took a short taper Mm -hmm. and, I, I performed well, but it was a very tough course. It had a, this brutal concrete downhill for a couple hundred meters. Yeah. And it was just like, man, going down that after like 30 some hours of running, you just hit every, every step was agonizing. And it, it, <laughs>
0: Uh it sounds awful, man. Like I told you when you mentally, it, it's like that sounds like the worst shit for my knees. I don't want that at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, often, cause we had to go down it. And then at the end of the loop we had to run up it. So I'd go backwards cause it actually felt really yeah. nice on my knees
0: That makes sense. to run
1: backwards up it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like that one definitely was a mental challenge for me. And I, and that's something I've been, you know, like, as we discussed earlier, like, is trying to grow that mental uh, stamina just to be First. able to kind of like to tolerate the monotony and I I, I kind of broke with that one knowing I have a really great score already that's, mm-hmm. that's very likely going to get me on the Canadian team so I just didn't have the oomph to continue to push myself when I was feeling that you know um, brutal sure. downhill and I, I got to the bottom of it and I just went you know I could probably just be okay with stopping right now and and having just come from that injury only like, what six months prior? Yep. I was I was okay with with pulling the pin with a pretty decent run. I think I did like thirty three hours, maybe 30, 34 hours, somewhere in there. Sounds right. Um, there's a lot.
0: <laughs> it sounds right.
1: yeah. I mean, it's still a lot. It's like a almost two hundred. Maybe it's two hundred. Kil- yeah, it's he's got to be over two hundred kilometers because I think thirty two is 214 so it'd be like 230k or so I figure that's a pretty a pretty decent little jog (laughs) and uh yeah but I I really need to kind of like just put my focus in you know where I'm going to find the most amount of joy and how I'm going to like push through those moments when it it does get difficult and I don't see the the value in continuing but with it being nationals there's always value in continuing because you've got you know you, you score not only just your individual score, but you're scoring points as a team. So you have those, mm-hmm. those people. And I, and I've got a really, uh, a really great group running this year that I'll be able to, you know, draw some energy from and, and really just, um, I'm just looking forward to it. Dave Proctor is going to be there. Kevin Barada, who I just paced at fat dog. Um, uh, Ehor who's been just, Oh my gosh, he's come out on the running scene lately. And uh, I think he started running during COVID. The, the kid's like 27 years old, and he's just a crusher. Everything Fire. he touches, he's just taking home the gold. It's, I'm awesome. really looking forward to, uh, to spending some time running with him. Um, if I can hold on, the kid is so fast. but <laughs> You know, it'll be, yeah. just be great. Uh, Stephanie Simpson's going to be out this year. Uh, she won in, in 2020. So it'll be just really great to, to run with these folks again. You know, I, I really enjoy their company and, and they're all really tremendous athletes. So just as I, you know, tried to glean as much information from Dave when I was running with him, I, I like to do the same. And Backyard's so easy and so like uh, well prepared for that kind of thing. You know, you get a run start at the beginning with everybody. So you want to run with somebody, very likely you're going to have that opportunity, even if they're fasty
0: that's awesome man i mean it sounds like you're doing really well um one thing i did want to ask you about because i know that you do a bunch of it and you're looking strong right now like what does your strength training look like i know right now it's carrying chainsaws up a mountain but generally what is your <laughs> yeah i going to say
1: <laughs> i say late lately all i've been doing is like lugging trees and chainsaws around <laughs> um But yeah, uh, as far as strength training goes, like I am huge. I I have a background, but prior to getting like hardcore into ultra running, I was, you know, a strength coach. And so I, I've always had like a lot of strength training in my, my daily routine. And, you know, so typically it's going to be like, number one yoga. Like I love doing that stretching and, and I think it's huge, uh, for, like I said earlier, maintaining that, uh, mind body connection, you know, when you're stretching and when you're not just trying to like, Ooh, how far can I reach? But like, what does it feel like when I reach? Is it tighter on one side than the other? Why is that? What if I turn my palms over? Like, okay. When I stretch my legs out and I pedal my feet, where's the tightness and like, what's causing that? And, you know, like, if you, if you spend that time to understand like what your body feels like in each position, then when you start to like feel a pain coming on, you'll, you'll be better equipped to understand how can I work around this? Like a pain in your knee is being, it's, you know, it's likely being caused by an imbalance in your hip or your ankles. Uh, you know, what is causing this to feel like that? And how can I adjust it? If you have, you know, good proprioception, you can, you know move your body around and work around these different um these different little like kind of we call them niggles yeah uh,
0: absolutely pain
1: that's not really nothing
0: yeah nice man i get that well i appreciate you coming on dude and it's good chat as always with you how what else do you want to make sure you get out there before we call this a day
1: yeah um Gee, I, I guess just like it, no matter where you are in your training plan, for those of you that are listening, like, uh, you know, just r- remember why you're there and what you're doing it for, and and try not to just chase the numbers because, like, I know ultra runners, you know, they typically are that like real type A personality. Like, I got to have yeah. the numbers all right. Like, um, man, for me, it really was, it really just took a lot away from it, and I'm finding so much more uh in just like in the enjoyment in the run and and my performance is following just because i you know if if you follow um andrew huberman he's the huberman lab podcast he he talks a lot about um dopamine and and like kind of those different pathways and if if you are looking at, at the end of the run for your reward then you're you're gonna cause yourself uh to imbalance your dopamine and you know all all of those hormones and chemicals that you you receive you are looking and, and you even if you're imagining it like a lot of people say imagine uh yourself winning the race where you're giving yourself like if you're imagining and you're and you're really buying into this like okay here's me running across the finish line like you're giving yourself a little hit of dopamine and that's gonna change your baseline. And and so like what I try to do is just be like, I'm going to be right here right now and I'm going to, I'm going to love the process. And that right there is like, has just been tremendous for helping me to kind of like regulate those feelings, those up and downs and not be, um, you know, hit hit that high and then hit that super low. I just try, you know, like by being right here all the time, I I get us to stay in that neutral zone, but my baseline gets to be maybe a little bit higher.
0: Absolutely, man. I mean, that makes a bunch of sense. I've linked a couple of Huberman's dopamine podcasts into the Facebook group. And it dopamine is very responsive, right? So the more it goes up, the more it goes down, you always have a very responding crash. And we can recognize this pretty equally, like similar uh simply by thinking of like cocaine. So if you do a bunch of it, you have a very big fall. We know even if you haven't done coke, which I've not, but I know people who have because when you work night shift and you know people who have. Uh, we've seen a, a <laughs> fact. You've seen a corresponding fall. So when we end up like, if we don't have as much of a rise, you don't have as much of a crash. So if we can, you're gonna have some dopamine push as a result of the end of your race. But if it's not like climbing Everest, it's also not gonna be like plummeting to the bottom of the Mariana stretch. So if we can like stabilize that a little bit, your motivation tends to be a little better across the day. So that makes a ton of sense. Like focusing on the process. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just like really find that joy in the, in the process. And then the longer you spend doing that, you know, you're, that baseline level of <clears throat> dopamine is going to actually go up because you're, you're spending more time in that positive position. And, uh, and that's just like, it's super great. So yeah, if you're, no matter where you're at in your training plan, like just take a, take a moment to step back, especially like if you're heart rate based, Like, you don't have to go at full tilt every run. Just go out there and practice (laughs) the motion because that is – like, just practice the motion And because the more you do that, the easier it becomes, and then the easier it is to to enjoy it.
0: Absolutely true. Well, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. And Right on. Thanks to everybody who's listening. It's always fun talking with Matt. I'm glad we finally, like, made this happen. He and I have been, like, fighting back and around through, like – varying schedules for a couple months now. So thanks again, Matt. And I will we'll probably have it back on at some point. So I'll chat with you soon. Thanks.
1: For sure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.